and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. Welcome back, everyone. It is 2023, the year of let's hope this is better than last year. Isn't that every year? I feel like it's been every year since 2020. Okay, the the 20s have been the absolute worst. There's no sugarcoating that. But 2022 in particular was a dumpster fire of a year for television shows. And it was felt pretty hard in the queer community. Mm -hmm. And we've all felt it. Literally every show we've covered so far on this podcast has been canceled in 2022. And it has a lot of people, including us, feeling some ways. And so. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, just awful. Feeling some ways. Feeling some ways. Awful, depressed, traumatized, all of those things. So we thought we'd explore why on earth this happened like what even what happened we'll explain what happened if you're not if you weren't filth if you didn't feel the devastation that was 2022 for queer media and kind of dive into some nuts and bolts about why this happened and like what is actually going on because the perception is that we as the queer community are being targeted in particular all of our shows were basically canceled and it's leaving us very sad and feeling a little bit hopeless. So this is by no way it may shape or form a comprehensive topic. We're not truly experts on the topic of like what actually goes on behind the scenes, but I tried. We, we tried and we just wanted to provide some insight into some aspects of what's going on. Cause this is a multifactorial thing. There's a lot of players in the entertainment industry that have their wants their needs their financial whatevers so we're just hoping to shed some light on this and give people some peace so in memoriam of all the canceled queer shows in 2022 we present this episode to you sorry at the end i should just do dedicated to and just like a yeah uh, credit yeah. song Exactly. I have I have the TikTok. I <laughs> just play that TikTok. <laughs> In you memoriam. can't put another one bites the dust on there though. <laughs> you can just get rid of the sound. Anyway, some... it's not all of them either, which play is taps. the sad part. <laughs> play taps. <laughs> That's our but new theme song for this podcast. It actually, is so for those that don't know what on earth taps is, if you didn't listen to our Motherland episodes, basically it's a like song a horn song that's played in america for military veterans that are being buried so it's like a final salute kind of song thank you for your service so yeah maybe we'll play that at the end we'll we'll see maybe you'll hear some taps so something to look forward to at the end of this episode but before we get to taps maybe we don't know let's start with what on earth happened in 2022 because what the fuck was that All right. I remember like starting off 2022 being like, yeah, this will be better than 2021. Like we do every year. And because my favorite show was coming back for its 
what should have been the second to last season, but became the last season because of the pandemic, a television show called Killing Eve. And then in April, it ended very homophobically. If you've never seen this, was this show. Year? That was yes. this year. Last, last, last year. Last you know, year. 2022 was a marathon of stuff. Time, what is time, right? It's a construct mm-hmm. of sorts. So it started with that ending, spoiler alert, skip ahead if you're planning on watching this show. Ends in a barrier gaze trope. Like, actually ends homophobically. That starts it off. Then the wilds get canceled, Gentleman Jack gets canceled. Then all these, like, queer-led, sapphic-led shows start getting canceled, like, one by one. Until we have this amazing death toll at the end of 2022. So, like, the depression just kept going and going and going and going. So that's what happened. And I wanted to know, like, okay, well, we're in our little queer media bubble. We have particularly been covering certain sapphic shows at this point. So, like, what actually was the scope of all of this in 2022? So I dug into, like, the numbers and have some stats. I promise they're relevant and not boring. Just stick with me on this. So in 2022, there were a total of 120 shows that were canceled. Keep in mind, there were, like, over 500 television shows that, like, happened in 2022. So, like, one-fifth of them were canceled in 2022. For the purpose of this... I ex- so that's the total number of what was canceled. I then excluded the ones that weren't scripted. So by that I mean things like talk shows or reality type shows, um, game shows. I removed that from the total. So of the shows that are scripted, so like have writers' rooms and all that stuff, there were 92 shows that were canceled in 2022. Of those 92 shows, two of them were canceled after a renewal was already announced. So the renewal for the show was revoked and they're like, JK, it's actually canceled. Those two shows were Dangerous Liaisons, which is a star show, and Minx, which is an HBO show. Then of the 92, two shows that were deemed canceled were actually quote unquote saved and picked up by another network. So those two shows were Magnum PI, which was canceled by CBS, and is picked up by NBC for its sixth season, and Manifest, that was canceled by NBC and is now moving to Netflix for its last season. Which I seems- need to interrupt real quick. Yeah. I love Manifest. I know people hate it because Netflix saved it and Netflix is doing a lot of is other Netflix? shit. But I love Manifest. So I'm very happy by this because it ended on like, shh, whatever. I mean, but it's not really that queer. So continue. But hey, at least Manifest fans are getting peace of mind. So like, that's positive. But again, it's kind of fucked up that you had two shows that were like, we're renewing it. We're not renewing it. And then two shows where they're like, we're not renewing it. But then it got saved by other networks. So like, I guess those scales were balanced, but still fuckery was afoot. And so that's the breadth of like the shows. So the 92 scripted shows were canceled in 2022. I wanted to know, like, okay, well, what were these shows? What were the trends? Are there any trends or anything we can kind of pick apart from what was canceled and then maybe lead us to, like, why they were canceled? And so I I don't watch all 92 of these shows. So, like, this is based on the best research possible that I could do without, like, actually working in the industry or watching all of these shows. So 
I picked apart the shows by genre based on what IMDb says they are. And so of the 92 shows, 25% of them are sci-fi shows. Then about 18% each after that was comedy and drama. So like the top genre of things that were canceled in 2022 were sci-fi shows, which was like one fourth, a quarter of all the shows. Then we got the comedy and drama after that, but like of the shows, that's like the majority genres, comedy, drama. So keep that in mind. Then I look to see, okay, that's what's being canceled. Who's canceling all these shows? And so as unsurprising to anybody who's probably listening to this podcast, the number one network that was canceling shit was Netflix. So Netflix canceled 15 shows, which accounted for about 17% of everything that was canceled in 2022. The top genre of type of show they were canceling were sci-fi shows. So there were seven shows out of the 15. So it's like almost half. The next network that we can all get mad at is the CW. Because we'll talk the C- about them later as well. It's, it's the CW. There's a lot of reasons to be mad at them. <laughs> so they were number two. They canceled 10 television shows in 2022. 11% overall of everything that was canceled. The top genre for them were superhero shows. That's, I guess it's kind of sci-fi fantasy-ish, but like I'm picking that out because they're distinctly DC comic superhero shows that were all canceled. And there was four of them. So about half, almost half, like 80% or not 80%, 40%. The next, the next networks after, after that is Showtime. Showtime canceled seven shows, which is 8% overall of the cancellations. Their top genres were comedy and drama. There's about two shows each. Then HBO Max also had seven shows, 8%. Top genre was comedy. So the biggest offenders, basically, of all the cancellations, Netflix, CW, and they're primarily canceling sci-fi, fantasy, superhero type shows. Those That's Effects the bulk. stuff. Huh? Huh? Effects stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm getting to. Those are shows that require special effects versus everybody else. Primarily what they're canceling is like dramas, comedies in much smaller amounts. Now, the part we're probably caring the most about was of these cancellations, how many of them had queer stuff? So I broke this down by like queer representation in the show just in general not distinct by who led the show what type of queer representation it was just queer representation in general in the 92 shows so this is actually kind of cool but sad so like of the canceled show 55 of them had queer representation so that was 63 percent of the show so two-thirds of the shows like just that were canceled had queer representation in them which it sucks that they were canceled, but that's a pretty high number for like having queer representation in shows, which is kind of cool. Of those shows with queer representation, I specifically looked at sapphic representation. So like to figure that out, because it seems like that genre, that group was being more canceled because we had some shows that were canceled that were sapphic led versus like male led gay where the male-led gays were renewed and the sapphic ones weren't. So I just wanted to see of those shows how many. So it was actually about like 50% like that had sapphic representation in the show as a whole. And 
25% of all the shows that were canceled had a sapphic lead. So about, so a quarter of all the queer stuff that was canceled had a sapphic lead that was queer. So it's, they, so sapphic people weren't specifically being targeted, but we're definitely, they were definitely in there. And the last thing I wanted to know about what was canceled was the survivability of the shows. Basically, like, after what season was it canceled? And so here's kind of how this breakdown was. So about 41% of the cancellations were canceled after a season one. And that's the biggest group. Next after that was after a season two, which was about 32%. And, like... It's minor after that, like, how many were canceled. So it seems like once a show survives the second season, it's easier for them to get renewed, basically. That's my takeaway. I have nothing to back that up. But the majority of stuff that was canceled in 2022 was on the, after the first season and then after the second season. Those were, like, the bulk of the killings, basically. Those are all the statistics I have. Any comments, concerns, grievances from you guys? Any of that surprising or? I wouldn't say it's surprising. It pretty much checks out as far as that's like what I thought. And it's interesting <clears throat> because we don't really, it, we think about what a terrible year Netflix has had uh, financially. And the changes, they now have like a tier that's an ad supported tier. They now have, you know, I'm going to get there. I know you I continue I after I said it, I figured you were going to get there. It's OK, this is just the situation part. What is the situation? Yeah, Um, I think that it's we it's nice that we have can see that there was so much representation in the shows that were canceled. But I would like more varied representation as well. And also what the actual, my, my, my brain. I did break that down too. Like, again, I didn't watch the shows. This was just from like superficial, like searching on the internet about like what the representation was. We had an excellent job. But I did, I did look at that like overall, not just like what was canceled. So it's like at least 50% of shows like have mm-hmm. some kind of representation in some form, like the extent of how much like a queer lead versus like a character that mm-hmm. pops up definitely varies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the trend the trend overall, even with surviving shows, was the queer rep is going up in general, like visibility in shows. The degree of like the visibility definitely varies. And I didn't compare it with the cancellations, but that is a overall good thing that's happening. Um, and the other thing I kind of looked at, I was going to save for like the end when we get to the positive part is that like, I also looked at like casting. So was there diversity in the casting, people of color, queer people, and overall there is a significant Upshot. number of television shows have just diverse casting for like the leads so there's positives here it's just 2022 is a year where we kind of felt like we were being attacked by these networks and their cancellations yes i just keep forgetting how long it was 
Yeah, it was the worst. <laughs> Absolute worst. That's um, the part I really want is like where I th- I think a lot of this is is us like you're trying to make the point us feeling attacked and that's uh, we're we've been feeling attacked in so many ways since well the beginning of time but since especially the pandemic started or the panera whatever (laughs) (laughs) since the panini started and financially speaking and i think that part i mean my brain goes to we're seeing that from the financials of these companies yeah and absolutely and it also the Im- bigger impact of this like yeah i just we just spouted a bunch of numbers was that it has an actual effect on all of us so what i've noticed and felt from myself is that because of this like trauma responses are being developed by queer viewers like i feel it too because of all of this and so I've noticed later in 2022, like as shows are airing, there's already campaigns to save the show. It's not even done airing in its entirety. And already like fans are like, there's a queer lead. It's going to be on the chopping block. We have to start campaigning immediately before it's even done finishing in its entirety. Like, and for me, sorry. Didn't Warrior Nun start before it actually airs? Yes. 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 Willow did the same thing. Like, that's what I'm saying. And so there's campaigns already to save shows before they even air. And there's all this pressure, especially with streaming shows, to, like, binge it immediately so that, like, numbers are up because that's the metric they're looking at to decide whether or not it's worth saving. We have to be obsessed with how much it's on social media. And so, like, and there's just this general anxiety and gloom the entire time because you're, like, focus fixating on the fact that it could get canceled instead of like enjoying the show so it for me it takes all the joy out of actually watching this thing you know because it's just like you're just constantly like in survival mode to save something that hasn't been canceled yet because you're traumatized by all the cancellations that keep happening for like the things you love watching so it's just creating a group of it's just creating a bunch of like post-traumatic stress disorder for people And it's making watching these shows not fun because I can't just enjoy this thing at my own pace. I have to binge it immediately to get the numbers up and like, it's just exhausting and it's not fun and it's not fair to us that we have so little representation to begin with. And then when we get it, it's like, we have to like hyper consume it. We can't even enjoy it. We have to get to work and make billboards and like constantly on social media about it. And it's just like, when do we get to like actually enjoy this thing? Like- when the last time i enjoyed a television show was killing eve because it already had its seasons they release weekly and it was fun to just like enjoy it you could just enjoy it because it already it was already secure everything was good and then but now it's just like there's so much uncertainty and it's just for every show there's campaigns immediately and it's just it's not fun to consume this media anymore because it's just you're constantly got that weight of like am I doing enough? Am I like contributing enough? Am I going to help? You know, if I don't binge it all tonight, will that make Netflix not renew it? Like, it's just not fun. And And then you have the people attacking you on Twitter if you don't do those things. Right. It's it's like, which again, like is their trauma response to all of this stuff that keeps happening. So it's like, you can't be mad at these people because like 
they're traumatized. We're all traumatized. And it's making this just not fun. And that's not fair to us. So if you feel like that, like we get it. It's just, we all feel it. And it's just, it's fucked up is what it is. I don't have an answer for that. It just sucks. It's not fun. I was up to my neck in Motherland for Salem campaigns until you guys were there. Like we were freaking heavy in that stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, there it's kind of dissipates into the, the, and you don't know what to do after that. Like what's your purpose anymore? And then you're like, why is my purpose? Why is this my purpose? This wasn't supposed to be, this is like a television, like on one hand, it's like, this is a television show and the representation is important, but at the same time, I've, you know, now I'm dealing with all of the fallout, emotional fallout of having invested myself into this whole thing for so long and then to come out of it and then for it to, to like happen again with Warrior Nun. And that's why I didn't get super involved in the fandom because I was already so exhausted from motherland because that was like a a solid year of doing these campaigns and trying to get you know stuff together and and it was a great experience in a lot of ways but in other ways it was just like you're saying now i have all of this emotional fallout and don't know where to put it yeah it's i will say um all of that brought me to you guys. So yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad for that. It's That's why I said weird. there are great positive parts yeah. of it. And there are great positive parts of being in the trenches with other people who totally. are like-minded. But it also, we need to look, I think we really need to look at the negative effects that this is having on the community as a whole and us as individuals and everyone, whether you're, whatever um, part of, the community you are in it's going to affect you in some way shape or form yeah absolutely and and the thing is it's like like you said you know when you're involved with one of these campaigns and then you're like okay well i'll watch this other show and then it happens to that show too it's like you're just tired of losing all the time like it just it just feels it's exhausting like, it's exhausting it's just like i keep losing I don't even want to watch TV anymore because it's like, why? Then I get attached to something and then it just goes away. And now I bet we're back where we start. It's like we're in this endless cycle of just like, I watch a show. I like the show. I meet cool people in the fandom. It gets canceled immediately. Now we're in a campaign and it's just like, it's tiring. So I think it's important to talk about how did we get here? Like, how did this become watching television? Because television used to be fun. And now it's become this never-ending cycle of, like, watch, like, get attached, cancel. How did we get here? I feel like it started for me with Buffy after you laugh all you want, Caitlin. I was was setting up Caitlin for the transition. (laughs) Yeah, I know you were. (laughs) I'll just see myself out. I'm gonna go watch Buffy. <laughs> no, it's okay. Go watch. Breathe. No, say your say your point. Good. It's yeah. Good? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say this is, they it's all of it. Started for me when they killed Tara. That's the end. I mean, yeah. Originally, it started with barrier gaze stuff, and now we've just moved into cancel your queers, where they're just not burying anybody. They're just 
canceling the whole fucking show. <laughs> I mean, they might be burying some. Yeah, but it's like, that's not the way we kill off queer characters anymore. We just, and keep the show going. Now we just scrap the whole show. That's the perception. It's a cancel your queerest yeah. thing. So, how anyway. did we get here? But now it's time for me to try and put my degree to use. So, I get a little bit excited because this is what I studied in school. And um, Bray and Theora had to learn that the hard way because... I refuse to stop researching. Like, we're lucky we're getting this episode now because I finally stopped searching. <laughs> like, I was in academic journals and, like, really trying to get every single point possible. And then I was like, no, you can't. So this is this is my simplified version, which is still, like, five pages long. So we started with syndication. Syndication used to make you feel secure because networks wanted to be able to sell their shows, license them to other networks to make more money. So for a show to go into syndication, they would have to have been on the air for four years and have 100 episodes. Could you imagine getting 100 episodes of our favorite shows right now? I would die. Like, <laughs> what? Uh, right. Seems unfathomable uh, now, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like, if we make it to 30? What do you mean? If we make it to 16? <laughs> uh, uh, Caitlin, for people who may not know what that word means, can you explain what syndication is? Like, what does that mean? Syndication is when, after a show airs, it gets licensed to another network, and it they're able to air it. So... Airing on a different network is it going into syndication and being available to other platforms. And is this primarily referring to like cable shows or does this apply to streaming shows too? Uh, this is just cable because yeah. this is basically not a thing now that streaming's a thing. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify like this is the old model with cable versus yes. streaming. Okay. Thank you. This was the good old times where. You wouldn't see a show. Well, no, actually, the thing is, that's not. All right, we'll get there later. All right, so because <laughs> I'm contradicting my brain right now, and this is the back in my day <laughs> section. <laughs> back in my day when I was three, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> October, that was the golden years. <laughs> Television. Thing, like I, this is, I learned this when I was in like third grade, like. These shows had to have these episodes. So, yeah. So that's why, if, if you remember, like, four seasons. Because when I was, <laughs> when this was a thing, I was watching Disney because I was a baby. And the, all the shows had four seasons and it never went past four seasons. So I was really curious. And luckily, Google was a thing. And that's how I learned about syndication in elementary school. That's amazing. <laughs> it's really weird. That's cool. It's it's amazing what the internet can do. But yeah, so now people it, people are really confused because we don't get four seasons of things anymore. If something makes it to four seasons, you're like, damn, this show's amazing. Like, yeah, people are really watching it. And it, then it went to three. You like you saw th three seasons of a lot of things. Now it's gone to two. And you're still lucky if you get two. Um, 
the availability of the shows that we watch have changed since the beginning as well. Because I know my dad loves to remind me that once a show aired, it aired. If you missed it, you missed it, and you never got to see it. Unless for some reason, it, like, it came on again. A rerun is what that used to be called. Yes, a rerun. Which, <laughs> this is a side note, but that's, I, I really thought that Full House came out in 2006. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, Caitlin. No, girl. You thought that it came out in 2006 and it was just set in the 90s? Right. <laughs> I Period was little. Piece. I Period wasn't piece. even 10 yet. I was like eight or nine. Stop right there. Nope. It's from the 1900s. It's a period piece. <laughs> yeah, so I would watch it every Tuesday. <laughs> I'm turning 40 this year. And I thought it was new. It took me a while to realize it wasn't, but <laughs> it's another story. While Bree is having an existential crisis, tell us more about this, Caitlin. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is a trauma episode, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it used to be you could only see it once. Then it became the show aired. It would be available for home entertainment. So you could get it on DVD and rent it at stores. I believe that's what it is again. I was little. Blockbuster, yes. Blockbuster. That's how Netflix actually started. No, I had Netflix. Okay, so Netflix was born in the same year as me. So... (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, yeah, 1997. Okay. I didn't realize it was the 90s. That's interesting. Yeah, it yeah. Was. So it started as the DVDs. We had them. We had Netflix mm-hmm. and Blockbuster as the mail-ins. Mm-hmm. Sure that we still have some of them around somewhere. Or not. Uh, so Caitlin doesn't incriminate herself. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so all of that stuff. And then it would go into syndication. So there's three separate windows for people to make, for the companies to make money off of it. Now that streaming has become a thing, home entertainment and syndication has is basically the same thing. Because syndication is just streaming at this point. And people, a lot of people will just wait f- for a network show to be like fully run and then go on Netflix or something so they can just binge it all and not have to wait. And I do, I rem- I was in school like when this was like really happening in college. And so I was able to actually like talk about it in classes with professors who like were working in all of it. And it was very interesting to watch the ratings just like consistently drop and drop and drop because and shows were getting canceled even more because they weren't expecting this. Like, it was just technology is rapidly changing so much that we can't keep up. And systems that we have in place are not able to consistently change. So when they saw the ratings continuously drop, shows were can't getting canceled right away. And then if you notice, like, years later, shows that had the same amount of ratings are now being renewed because that is a new normal. But at that time, they weren't expecting it because Netflix basically broke television when it became a streaming platform in 2007. Networks were, like, basically terrified. It it changed the way. It 
sorry, my brain goes really quickly with this stuff because there's just so much. It's okay. And it's it's hard to explain to people. Because... Ah, oh, shit. So Netflix broke t- TV. Yes. And they were terrified, the network. Yes, they... Okay, I figured out where I was going with it. They basically created cord cutting. So people were beginning to cancel cable subscriptions and just uh, use streaming platforms. So basically what we're talking about is the business is changing. And now that streaming is here to stay and is the dominant thing in the industry... There are less windows for revenue, so (laughs) these productions don't make as much money, but they're costing more and more. So the companies are having to figure out how to make money. And another big thing that has changed with the switch to streaming, and this is, again, Netflix's fault, is the binge versus weekly releases. Now, in the beginning, I feel like binge watching was just like so cool. Everyone was just like so like, wow, we get all of it at once. And now, I mean, at least I'm feeling like, can we get it weekly? Yeah. Because I like the community that is built around the weekly releases. Yep. Like, Willow, okay, you know, Disney's doing a great job right now because they released two or three episodes. I think it's like two now, but two episodes and then do weekly. So it's enough to get you to binge it in the beginning and then like continuously watch it each week. I didn't watch Willow. I had no idea what Willow was until people actually started talking about it. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll try. I'll try to watch it. I'm still not done. So it's taken me more than a month to watch this show. We're busy people. (laughs) don't even remind me um (laughs) but you're right like there there's something to be said about like the word of mouth advertising that a weekly releasing like affords you and like for me that's what my fondest memories like of watching killing eve i'm gonna keep coming back to this because it was a bbc amc show let's forget about the fourth season because they fucked it all up with how they decided to release it but like Originally, it was a weekly released broadcasting show. And because of that, you like talked about it the entire week leading up to the next episode. So there's, you would draw more people in until like people like Taylor Swift are like, oh, now I'm going to watch this show because this is great. Because like it, it creates like buzz and advertising and like it's an experience to like experience the show versus just watch it all and then be like, all right, let's move on. Like, I don't know, yeah. it's a different experience and it's, and I think it's better personally. From a marketing standpoint, binge shows doesn't make sense because you can only market right. until that first episode is released because people are going to be in different areas afterwards and people are already going to have, like, there's going to be some people who've already seen it. So, like, the marketing doesn't really matter for them and you can't really, like, spoil it with doing other stuff. So, you only have that one big push. And social media is only going to be talking about it not even a month after it's released. 
Right. Like, it's just, it's one big push and then it's done. It's done. If it's a weekly show, when people keep talking about it, like I saw our timeline is just like a great example of this on Twitter because it just slowly became more Willow. And like, I'm just using Willow as an example because it's the last one that was released yeah, and that now, I basically. watched because people were talking about it on our timeline so much and in our Discord. Feel free to join our Discord if you like care to. Link down below. Anyway. Advertising. <laughs> it's the perfect section. Don't blame us, guys. Anyway. With each week, you're able to do promos. Like Motherland. Every week there was an after the show thing. There's so much promo to create engagement. Which could create a bigger audience. Yes. Whereas, especially with Netflix... If they, well, it's the advertising thing in itself, but just in general, say they do a lot of advertising for a show. It's that one episode and then it's just like, okay, what's next? And it just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because then you're not going to get that snowball effect because viewership will not go up. It's just going to continuously go down. It's almost like back in the day, like your dad said, you had one period of time to watch it and that's it that's kind of what binge streaming is it's like you have that one period of time where it happens and then it's over yeah and then it's like from the company's perspective they really only have a short window to determine was this is this worth keeping because it's gonna dwindle after that like the people are that people are that are gonna find the show because it all happens like all at once like all the social media people talking about it, all the gift making, all that stuff all happens like at once when it's released. And then it kind of dwindles after that. So like the chance of people finding it dwindles also. So like anyone remember Tiger King? That was a huge one. No one talks about that one anymore. Like yeah. that, that was like a month. We were bored during the pandemic. That's how Tiger King happened. People mm-hmm. were trapped in their homes with nothing. And then that came out and they're like something. <laughs> About Florida, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, but like exactly like this, the binge stuff. It just once it's gone, it's gone. Like people move. The next thing is now binge streaming that we have to move on to and watch all at once before social media spoils everything about it too. That's the part I hate. Also, is it? Oh the- my gosh! Yes, I'm so- sorry. I have an issue. Warrior Nun just freaking piss me off because you don't. Okay, de- people, you can always tell when you strike a chord with me. Oh, I, I am. Yes. But like, it was two hours after it was released. People just fast forward it. I'm getting so lightheaded right now. I forgot to breathe. People just went to the last episode and ruined the ending. Right. It's Those like, assholes. I- it, it, right. And that's the thing. It like this whole binging thing, it really like or dropping the whole season at once. It, it ruins the experience of the show because part of it is like c- talking about it with other people. And like, if I didn't watch the whole thing immediately or just jump to the end, I now cannot go talk to people about this because I'll get spoiled. And it's like, it removes the whole fun of the whole experience in my And opinion. live tweeting. That can't be a thing with streaming shows. Correct. And that I, okay. Pretty Liars taught me all of this shit because that I was in seventh grade when that came out. And so that was my whole social media existence was live tweeting that 
every single Tuesday, it created engagement with the cast. It created engagement with each other. And that's why it went on for seven freaking seasons. Yeah. It's like the binge streaming makes less and less sense when you really think about it. I know people like it because they're like, I don't have to wait. But like, do you even enjoy it as much? Right. Do you enjoy it? Like, do you catch everything when you sit down and just watch everything? Like, how do you even enjoy the show? I don't remember what happened. (laughs) Right. I can't remember what happens when I binge anything. It's just like, it's like, yeah, I'm getting those endorphins immediately. But then when it's gone, it's gone. And it's like, cool, I guess I'll move on. to. There's something special about having to wait. With and a bunch think of about it. You're like, what's going to happen like, Also, next? other what's people, they're just next? like, we want to know what happened. Yes, Brie. Yes. I'm the opposite. I, I, I get, like, I totally get your points, but I have a problem with waiting. Yes, because you want all the spoilers. <laughs> I'm, I'm a person that enjoys a, a show in a vacuum all at once and then goes to talk about it. I don't like to talk to people in between, <laughs> in betwixt, if you will. But I totally get how it affects everything, and I agree it's not the best model. Anyway, that's my two cents. I mean, Netflix was a great model, and it worked for them, okay? So, like, I can't fault Netflix. I'm actually quite impressed with Netflix in the... Like, they took over. Like, they were able to just create biggest streaming platform i mean i think they were the first were they the first streaming yeah platform? they were the first uh, they're definitely yeah. the first that well i mean hulu existed and was kind of doing their own originals but they were the first one I, this is why it hurts so bad it all started with orange is the new black a sapphic queer-led show mostly women non-men cast that's where this all started where they're like here's the first show where we're going to give you all of it all at once well, yeah, that was you the had, first show that you could you just binge the whole thing. It was that show. Stuff you had trans stuff. You had yeah, like everything. Yeah, a non med led show with with queer two queer leads. That's what started all of this, and then that's why this kind of hurts the most coming from Netflix because it's like we made you big. <laughs> but yeah, that was the first show that just the whole season at once. We're like, what? We can watch the whole show. So it was like novel and it was fun to do, but like. Now all the shows are doing that? right? Uh, I don't remember the year. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, I don't remember. I've never seen it. Binge watching is good for me personally, but it ruins the culture. I understand why people like it. People who are like, well, I have anxiety and I need to know what happens next. And I don't want to dwell. But like, for me, it makes it less fun because like... that's. I'm a rewatcher too. So I go back and rewatch. I rewatch to too. all of the stuff. <laughs> So this is like to your point of not absorbing it at all at once. That's what I have to do with books too. But that's why a story is always new to me (laughs) because I have the ADHD brain that forgets everything. I will say there are shows that came out weekly and I like, there is a chance that like the audience just falls off and like never sees those episodes. Like there's pros and cons to everything. And there's definitely shows that I loved like, I still have not finished The Bold Type, and I was obsessed with that show when it was coming out. And oh, same. Can we talk about that one day? Absolutely. Yes! Absolutely. I love that. I also wrote I wrote a paper on that show. I. <laughs> this is why I went to school for this shit. Anyway, those are our <laughs> two cents about binge versus weekly releases. There are definitely pros and cons. 
from a viewer perspective and then like the company's perspective and it does affect how things are advertised. So like, that's probably why it feels like, Hey, they're not, nobody's advertising some of these shows, but it's like, it might just be one little thing. And they're like, there it is. It's releasing tomorrow. Like that's it. I'm trying to hold myself in from talking about something else. Cause I think it's later. Okay. I've read so much and done so much research for this. Well, it depends if you want to talk now or we can. No, okay. To... Continue. You go. All right. So another thing that happened that nobody was expecting at all, except um, scientists, because I was at a conference where they were talking about this the year before it happened, was the pandemic of 2020. And the death toll of shows we saw in 2022 was partially due to actually the pandemic and how that impacted just literally everything, including the entertainment industry. So in 2020, because there was a global pandemic happening, production studios were temporarily closed down. And so because of that, the number of originally scripted television programs dropped across all the platforms. So broadcasting, your syndicated stuff, streaming, all of that. Everything just dropped because everything had to stop, right? And so that included like new shows that were being developed and shows that were already greenlit that were trying to go into production. All of that stopped basically in 2020. And so because there were these production delays in 2022, all the, or 2020, sorry, all the shows that were going to air in 2021 that had to get stopped from being made got moved to like the 2021, 2022 season. So like they got pushed back out a year, right? The things that were already in production that had to get stopped on top of that, you had new shows that were being developed and like the writing was happening over zoom. So like shows are being produced in the background from a writing point of view, whereas like the actual filming had to stop and get pushed out a year. So it created a backlog of shows that all kind of got aired in 2022 because the ones that were supposed to be aired in 2021 got moved. And then all the new shows that were being created then got produced when everything got greenlit. And then you had too many shows essentially in 2022. So in to put it into perspective, in 2019, there were 552 scripted shows that like happened and were kind of streamed. In 2020, that dropped to 493 of things that were like kind of coming out because they're already done and things like that. Then in 2021, because of the backlog, there was an overshoot of like the number of shows. So you had like 550, 560 almost shows. And so while you had this imbalance of the number of shows in existence in 2022, it didn't change the amount of money these studios had to like produce shows. So because of that, we ended up with this peak TV is what they called it in 2022, where basically now the studios have to figure out, well, which we have too many shows, which ones are we going to like continue and which ones are we going to cut? And so I think part of what happened is there's like, there's a finite amount of money and there's too many shows in 2022. And so it looks like more things were killed off going into the 2023 season because you had the pandemic shows that got shut down because of the pandemic, the new shows that were supposed to be produced in between all kind of came out together ish. And there's like only so much money going into 2023. 
So it was like an anomaly year, partially because of that. Theor's really good at talking. I'm just saying. Summarizing and talking. Yes, summarizing because. Yeah. All right. I mean, I can also attest to this as a Killing Eve fan, because that show was given five seasons, supposed to have five, but because of the pandemic in 2020, when they were filming season four, they lost a year. And this is a show that films all over Europe. So it was completely compromised of what it could film. And then in 2021, when production was opening up again, it was limited where they could film. And the actors were all, and and the people in production were already booked for stuff past the seat when season five was supposed to happen. So because of that, they had to end the show a year early because everybody was booked. And it's like, we cannot continue the show because everything's, we, we lost a year and that's it. And so because of that, the show was losing a year and they had to rewrite the whole thing. And that's partially the reason we got the horribleness that was the final season because it wasn't supposed to be the final season. It just, the pandemic robbed everybody of a year and- they could not continue it because everybody was booked. So a lot of things got quote unquote canceled. So technically it was like canceled prematurely because the pandemic, we lost an entire year of like actually filming the show and some shows they couldn't keep going because of scheduling conflicts and things like that with actors and creators. And shows were also still coming out in 2020, 2020. Yes. Yeah. That one. Because of 2019. And like those shows, I feel bad for. Like Teenage Bounty Hunters came out in 2020. All right. And I will never be over this because that one got canceled right as I found it and watched it. <laughs> yeah. That one was canceled so fast. It, it was. was so fast. Like super fast. <laughs> like right afterwards. I'm like, I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, that's another story. Back to other business stuff. All right. Rain in my fangirl. Putting on my business. This is also a therapy session. It's okay. As all episodes. Every episode is therapy. You guys, if you're new here and this is your first episode, welcome. (laughs) Big gay therapy. Welcome to therapy. Uh, We cannot guarantee you'll come out of it feeling better. Well, there's positives at the end. We're... Landing on a happy note, we promise. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, so other business stuff that's going on in the in this industry in itself. Uh, if you haven't noticed that everyone is creating a streaming service. Everyone. How many streaming services are you subscribed to? Actually, I'm curious. How many are you guys subscribed to? That me personally, because there's how many are you personally subscribed to, and how many do you mooch off other people? Oh, see, but here's the thing: is like five includes the mooching. I only mooch one. I'm the primary, and everything else that people mooch off of me. Yeah. And now I'm triggered to figure out how to get HBO Max. <laughs> well, in Prime, oh, we have that for you. We can get you that. In Prime, I'm subscribed to a service within Prime. So it's like a service and a service. Yeah. So that's like like one of the services. Yeah. So like it's like BritBox inside of Prime. Oh, I see. Okay. Technically it's its own stream. So yeah, is that for that show? Is that show that we watched in Christmas there? 
Sorry, I, that was so random, but I forget what, what it is. Mean? Um, we watched some show with your mom. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. mother and I primarily watch BritBox. If it's not, you know, I guess I'm it's not queer. Subscribed for that too, <laughs> but again, people mooch off of me for that. Yeah, I mooch Hulu and. Disney and Plus. if the if the streaming services are listening, we don't. We don't, we don't actually. We don't actually no, do that. They're actually my family members, and we share money, so it's really not mooching. I'm just the primary. No, I, I used them. to. I was subscribed to Disney for the three year promotion, and then I'll get into that one later as well because there's a graphic that fully shows that. Anyway, yeah. So you basically probably have access somehow to all of them. Don't actually pay for all of them. But anyway, since everyone is creating streaming services and the networks themselves have them, they have no reason to license their content to Netflix and other platforms. They have more, what is the word? Incentive. incentive. Yeah, incentive to keep that to themselves and put it on their platforms because then people will subscribe to them. So we saw this with Friends when Netflix spent $100 million to keep Friends. And I forget which one actually had it. Was it NBC? We owned Friends. Yeah, they're like, well, I'll take the money for right now. So, <laughs> yeah. So Netflix got to keep Friends for a little bit. So now that other licensed content is getting taken away from these platforms. Net We're just going to use Netflix as an example because I don't think Theora would let me look at all of them because then... Netflix has we, the most data. They've been there the longest, yeah. so it just makes yeah, sense. Yeah, we also would never have gotten to this episode because yeah. we I just would have been searching things forever. Anyway, so services like Netflix have to rely on original programming to be competitive with all these other platforms. The shows that they make, they have to make sense financially, and there isn't room to keep shows that aren't a success, like a huge success. Because if something's not making money, why would you keep it? Now, we asked on Twitter about assumptions people have about shows getting canceled, and two of the big ones that we kept hearing was network streamers don't care about representation unless they can make money and they prefer to please mainstream audiences. Now, I have a little rant for this. I never understood these arguments. They are a business. If they didn't care about those things, we couldn't get anything. Why should they why should they be expected to keep a show that isn't giving them a return on the air just because some people like it. And like, I understand the representation and I understand that these shows mean something to people, but if they don't, if they can't actually get mo their money's worth for these shows, they're not going to be able to make other things and continue to give you content. So, you have any comments about that? Any opinions? 
I mean, yeah, I understand that from like a business perspective because it's about return on investment, right? Um, and we'll talk about this in another section, like what it actually costs to like do this. Um, so yeah, I understand that. I don't understand the nuts and bolts of how that all works. Maybe that's in here. Um, and I think that's again, like how they make money. No, no, no. What goes into the decision? Like to what, what constitutes a success? I feel like that's another disconnect that's happening with people because, Looking at certain metrics, like, again, 2020 fucked up a lot of shit. But looking at metrics like Warrior Nun was an example. Like, the Warrior Nun streaming numbers were better in season two than season one. And season one got a renewal, but not season two. So it's, it, there's a, disc, so people don't understand. They're like, well, what do we need to do? Because, like, everybody who's traumatized by all of this are trying to take it on themselves to be like, what can we do to save, like, save these shows, like, to keep them going? Like, what do we, ha- what number do we have to meet? What's the metric? And it seems arbitrary when you try to actually look at data that it, that's out there and be like, I don't understand because, like, the numbers here looked good for this show. This got canceled. But the numbers here for this show are less, but it got renewed. So it's like people are confused. And I think that the assumption is like, well, there's more diversity in this show. There's a sapphic lead. That must be it. Versus this show, it's like a white cast with a gay man lead. That got renewed. So like people are just like trying to figure out what the hell because it doesn't the math isn't mathing is i think yeah. part of what leads people to this assumption and it's like yeah the wednesday comparison comes up because they're like yeah that's mainstream and i think mainstream granted that really isn't mainstream if you know the history of the adams family it really isn't but it's like it's with movies too this thing keeps happening where it's not really original content people are taking established shit that has a fan base in like multiple generations and they're going let's make a project based off this because there's already fans were less likely to fail. Like it's, it, it is reducing creativity and it's just people are being like, let's redo old stuff. That's why there's 500 Spider-Man movies and there's only one um, everything everywhere all at once. It's because like people don't want to take financial risks on stuff. They're like, I need to know that this is going to succeed and we can label it original content and keep it and license it, but there's already fans. So it's less likely to fail and I can make more money off of this. So like, and if you look at that project, it's like, yeah, like this was appealing to like white people in like the 80s or whatever. So like, it seems mainstream from that perspective versus like something with an overt queer lead POC cast. Like, I understand where the assumption is coming from when you're just looking face value at two different projects, one that got canceled and one didn't, and you're trying to figure out what the hell is happening because like this thing got a season two and the numbers are better season two. Like, I don't understand what's happening. I think that's where these assumptions are coming from. And again, it feel the whole, the reason we're here is because we feel like we're being disproportionately targeted because we have less stuff to begin with. And then when you're slaughtering 25% of it, it, it impacts us more because there's, there's less stuff to begin with versus like love Island gets renewed. And you're like, what is this garbage? But there's money differences and all that stuff that go into those two different shows. So like, sorry, I under, I understand. Yeah. Where people are coming from is the point. Number discrepancies. uh, I think, uh, and also some of it comes from people not knowing how to interpret the data that they're 
getting and what the debt i mean they just don't have the i mean the general public probably doesn't have the statistics knowledge and internal knowledge of tv or i'm sorry streaming services and things of that nature especially but like also in- no one has all the data correct it, like, exactly Netflix we don't- has copious amounts of data that they are spending so much money on analyzing and like it's good they like, they're really good at targeting but they're never going to share it because it's not in their best interest exactly right, right so we will never fully know what the hell happens behind the scenes but we are going to go into some more things there are like some somewhat plausible reasons why some things have happened correct correct um i want to say something about the streaming platforms if that's okay i I think another reason why there's perhaps a lot of like mass exodus of certain shows on streaming platforms too is because every single one of these require payment right so it's Versus like back in the day where it's like you had one fee, you had the cable subscription, you paid that fee and then you got access to all of the television shows because they were all on cable. And then when it moved to streaming, it was like, okay, I have like Hulu. It's all on Hulu. Now it's like if I want to watch this a specific show, I have to get a specific subscription and pay money to go somebody somewhere else. So like there's... um a barrier to people being able to have access to shows because it's all behind paywalls, like different paywalls. So because of that, like you, there could be quality queer content on like a streaming platform. I'm not subscribing to because I don't have the money to subscribe to it. So like, I will never see it. So it's like, it's actually hard. It's, it's creating um, accessibility to, it's a, a barrier to accessibility. And like, because it's all being binged at once, like like you don't know what fully is going on because you can't unless you're like stalking all these streaming services and have all this money to like, you know, yeah. subscribe to every single one of them. So that's like, where like cancel culture is bleeding over into streaming networks. People are canceling it after they're done watching one show. Like they keep going to different platforms because of a show they hear about. And so it is hard to, like, know about a show unless it's a huge success. Yeah, exactly. And, like, again, the barrier to watching it in the timely manner for the metrics they're looking at could be, I don't, I can't afford a subscription to watch it right now. I'll watch it later, maybe, when I can afford it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Basically, I think, some personally, something has to cave with everybody having their own fee like for their streaming service and there needs to be like a conglomerate that has all of these things together so you can watch them all you mean cable kind of of like a a streaming version of cable we have that it's it's called sling but it's small right but okay but this is feasible it's dividing Mm. audiences and like honestly like it lowers your you're i don't know whatever it's just no i totally feel i totally hear you and i that that was a joke example sling don't anybody come for me it's not really that but yeah totally see what you mean oh god she's like chomping at the bit there are there's bundles for everything now like disney has espn hulu and disney and discovery is discovery and something else they like 
because of a bunch of these mergers and these companies are right. related to each other, yeah. which we're going to get into another like buyout thingy in a second. Oh, sorry. Four years of school in one episode. It's not working. Um, because of these relationships, they're able to create deals where, especially like, cause a lot of phone companies were merging with networks so now, if you have Comcast, you get Netflix for free. Verizon, you ha- you can get um, the Hulu, ESPN, and Disney bundle. So these That's bundles through <laughs> my phone plan. <laughs> Netflix through T-Mobile. Yeah. So like, <laughs> they're still working on ways to give people more access. I feel like. It's a transition just, period. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's constantly fast, changing. Said. Yeah. Like, it's always going to be changing because the the technology behind all of this is always changing. And I only know from when I was really little. But from the time I was born to now, like, technology has changed so much. Like, I used to, I had it, I used a floppy disk at one point. I'm sorry. Those are terrible. And VCRs. Oh, computer Lord. computer programs that you had to install from a disk. I have that in my cover letter, by the way. I make people feel really old when they read my cover letter. Anyway. That's not the point of this. I got off on a tangent. Like I always do. How about okay. we take a break from Netflix real quick? All right. Put them on the back burner. Let's okay. pound on somebody else. <laughs> Brittany! That was very questionable. Not- I'm questionable today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to go to another company that likes to piss people off. People have feelings about. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who it could be. <laughs> it's two letters. CW. My first note for the CW (laughs) is that it seems to be a mess right now. Yeah. I I just want to say every single time a show got canceled in 2022 that like I was like invested in, it was always at a time where I had to like go do a performance that like in a competition. And I'm just like, oh shit, how am I supposed to do this now? Anyway, <laughs> I did warn them that yes, the okay. Embry that my brain would be like this today. You're doing great. The CW has not been profitable, at least in the most in the foreseeable past. Yes, I don't know if they were ever profitable, and they haven't. They're, like, not even just that profitable. They are operating at an ongoing loss. Like, they never made money from their stuff. It's amazing how they even exist. It feels like it shouldn't be possible. So you know how as soon as you watch, like, The Flash, Supergirl, or anything like that. The day after they finished airing their season, 
it would be on Netflix. That deal is what made CW be okay because that brought them in money. But that deal has expired. And now they make no money again. But let's look into their past. <laughs> All right. Look into the crystal ball. <laughs> of the CW. <laughs> Historically, they cancel an average of 3.3 shows a year. How many without reading the thing? Because <laughs> I guarantee the are just read it. I just read it, so I'm not guessing. Bree. Oh, sorry, I had the nice stats. <laughs> yeah. Did you say it already? No, I mean, I did the queer ones, which is a substantial proportion of that. Yes. How many shows do you think the CW canceled in 2022? What was their average before? 3.3 per year. Well, since we're doing this episode and we're talking about them as a big point, I'm going to say... Wait, not, don't go outrageously high. <laughs> no, I was going to say... <laughs> all of them. They canceled all of them. <laughs> Just kidding. Here's my... Here's my She's guess. doing math. <laughs> Gays can't do math. Why would you set her up like this? Excuse me. We just oh, proved whoa. that they did. Hello? What? Eight to ten. Ten? Eight to ten. Eight to ten it was my range. I'm going to say nine because it's in the middle. <laughs> it's ten. Good job. Good job, Bree. I guess I can do something after all. You can do a lot of things. With numbers? A, a lot of things. And ten is a substantial increase from 3.3. Yeah, I would say so. Yes. So, over the last four years, the CW has had 17 to 19 scripted shows on air. With all of the cancellations, they now have 11. What? At, yeah, they only have 11 shows. Because, like, think about it. Is that viable? They're not viable to begin with. I will tell you what they're going to do. Yeah, they're not viable at all. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you what their strategy is right now. Because they have just been acquired by Nexstar, which has a controlling share. Their goal, and they believe it's possible, to make CW a revenue-generating in profit by 2025. Basically, they want to do that by creating a bunch of reality shows. Because they're cheap. Oh, God, yeah. that's the... Which e we will also get into. Easiest yeah. form of content to create. Correct. Yeah, so the CW... CW made us even sadder this year. I mean, what the hell, CW? You right. got the flash. <laughs> What's the other show they still have? I mean, they're trying to read it. Hell knows. Yeah, like they don't. Supernatural spinoff. Yeah. Because, because it's was... already a thing. Yeah, exactly. It's already a thing and reality shows are like where it's at. 
It's also been a thing with movies for years now. I know. It's like movies have not been new in right. so long, really. Everything, everywhere, all at once is like the most novel movie. You don't I've know seen. what that is. You just won a bunch of awards. Go watch it. It's so there's queer stuff in it. We should talk about that movie actually. I never Hell watch yeah. movies. I know. I don't watch movies either because they're so repetitive now. Except that one. That one's the most unique movie I've seen in years. Because it's just the same crap over and over again. Even like the Marvel stuff on Disney, it's like this already exists as a book. We're just making it a movie now. And it's like, cool. I don't care. Thanks. I hate it. Yeah. You know, I think so that's sad. we need to talk about the actual costs associated with this. And Theora has a unique perspective, if we're still going with that. Yeah. So basically when I think about, I don't know the ins and outs of movies or slash TV shows because that's what we're focusing on. Caitlin's going to talk about it. But to me, it seems a lot like the way drugs are developed. And so as somebody- Sorry, it just sounded like, it seems like drugs. Drugs, medicine. Everybody's on drugs. drugs. I know, but like, Kate, never mind. But from my my perspective, like in school, because I went to, I'm a pharmacist, I went to pharmacy school where we had to learn about the industry of how drugs are made, research, all of that stuff. Because when we're in the pharmacy, I used to work retail for a bit. I almost didn't become a pharmacist because I hated it so much. But basically we get yelled at about the cost of when people pick up their drugs and they're like, why is this so expensive? And the reason is, if you're ever wondering, is because it takes 20 years to make that drug, like to just make it. Because initially a company, because this is all, at the end of the day, these are businesses for better or worse. At the end of the day, the company that's going to make it has to fund a bunch of research to find the product, right? That takes like 10 years to just find a molecule that's going to be the drug. Then they got to test it in animal models, people models, and that takes like another like 10 years, like 10 years. Towards the tail end of that second 10 years, they then have to like propose their data to regulatory bodies. If you're in America, it's the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, because they have to prove it's safe and it does what it's supposed to do. Once that gets approved, they then get the patent for that drug. This is why drugs have two names. The brand name, because that's the patent name, when they get approval to like give it to people, basically put it out to market. And that lasts like 10 years or so where they get exclusive rights to that drug because they have to make up the money. They spent 20 years developing this drug and it's not cheap to pay all these researchers to do all these trials, to have all the equipment you need. Doing studies is the... I don't know how people do it. It's so time consuming and terrible. And it just, it costs a lot of money. It costs millions to make this billion sometimes to make this one thing. And then you have 10 years to make up that money before you lose the patent. And then anybody can have access to it and then be like, like, for example, what's a good drug? Like Motrin, okay, is like an over-the-counter drug now, but that's the brand name for ibuprofen people use it all over the world right so like Bayer, i think who did no actually yeah yeah. i don't remember who the company is but the original company that got that drug had like 10 years to like sell it as the brand name exclusively and make up that money before 
anybody, Walgreens can sell ibuprofen now. And you notice that there's a price difference between your brand name and your generic, the second name, right? It's because other people are like, hey, this sells well. Let's us try and sell it and we'll cut costs because we didn't have to make this thing. We just take the recipe and then sell it to people. So all is that to say is like, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that happened for years before you get the drug at the pharmacy. And the company that spent decades putting all of that together needs to make money to then make the next drug. So because of that, it looks like, oh, they're just price gouging me, which is partially true in America, but also it's like, it took 20 years for you to get this and they had to pay so many people and they need the money back to make the next drug. So that's kind of how it works with drugs. So they got to recuperate the money. I have a drug question. Sure. Does that mean Vivance will have a generic at some at, point? At some yes, point. It will. At some point. How many and more years? Three. I, three years. Three years. Three. Yes. Okay. <laughs> However, when it first comes off the brand name, the price is still comparable to when it was a brand name. It takes it Damn takes it. years for the price to go down. Gosh darn it. Yeah, it's not instantaneous because people are trying to make because they gotta make it for the first time, the other plant they have to get inspected making it there's a whole bunch of behind the scenes stuff that like they have to like account for in the price of the pills that you don't see because you just see the pills and i know we get yelled this, at because of the price of the pills and it's like <sighs> we can't go too far into this but i'm just i need to ask what about insulin because i know there's like a whole thing about there's that. no patent on insulin that's why it's outrageous what they're doing in america there is the the, oh. the the person that made it said, no patent, anybody can make this, this will save people's lives. And the drug companies are like, cool, we can charge whatever the hell we want. There's no patent on that. On that. Oh, so if they would have kept the patent, it probably wouldn't have been. Potentially. People need that to live, and they're, that is straight up price gouging. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. There's no need for that. So really... To bring it back to TV. To bring it back to TV. If all of these platforms decided, you know, let's just raise all the prices. Yeah. Yep. We yes. would have to go with it. Because what is the alternative? This is like the monopoly scenario. This is the scenario now where like inflation is causing prices to go up. Because if all the, if there's like three companies and one of them goes, well, I'm going to raise my price. Everybody else goes, well, let's raise our prices too. They have no other option. They're just going to pay. That is what's happening. That's that's partially why things keep getting more expensive because there's less companies. So like if it's Netflix and Hulu and like one other, it, that's why these acquisitions are not great. Like the bundling, like Disney is slowly buying up the entire entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. And once they have the monopoly, they can charge whatever the hell they want because what is your alternative? There is no alternative. If you want to watch anything, you have to pay what Disney says you need to pay. That's and a that's problem with that. That's why there are that. lawsuits about this right now. Yeah, that's why yeah, this is so not a good thing. <laughs> But there are systems like they have to. I think it was Time Warner and AT and T. Um, I think it was them. AT and T. Yeah, but either way, that merger had to go through a lot of obstacles to get approved because they are trying to prevent 
Yeah, um, but some of them are still being approved, and they're yeah. They're, well, there's also a lot of money and, involved and stuff. Corruption and idiotic shit. We're still yeah. here creating it's our government. Monopoly. What do you expect? The end result, though, is that this is going to get more expensive for us, and access to things is going to reduce. And so overall, you're like, while you're trying to grab up all the people to get on your streaming platform by owning all of them, like. If you hike up your prices too much, people can't afford it. You lose people. Like, mm -hmm. there has to be a balance that kind of happens here to, like, recuperate these costs. I believe Netflix is the most expensive one right now, though. Mm -hmm. Probably. They like, raise the Even over there. HBO. Because they keep, like, there was, I swear there was, like, three price increases in a year once. Probably. I don't know. There's also, they're trying to make it cheaper with ads. Everybody's having ads. That's another section. So, Caitlin, There's... what's the cost of production? A lot. <laughs> That's a simple answer. I just, I'm going to go straight into the reality shows versus scripted. Because that's uh, the easiest way. Okay. To like really compare it and see, like understand how much scripted shows are costing. All right, let's do it. Um, also because I wasn't totally sure how your drug thing was going to go. I wish I did more for this section. Well, basically the analogy, I guess if you're not going to summarize it, I can kind of summarize it. Like, so I guess to compare it to TV shows, like as the end user, as the viewer, the person getting the drug to bring that back, basically you just see the final product, right? You just see yes. the show, but I, to, I can talk about like the process. Yeah. How do we get okay. to that show? Yes, basically. Okay, so I don't know the exact cost for, like... Because, like, there is not one cost for each thing. Totally. But, so basically, somebody has to have an idea. And then they go to a bunch of networks to pitch the idea. And if you're lucky enough, some networks can be like, Alright, I like that. So then you get greenlit to make a pilot. So you have to... A lot of times the showrunner is also like a writer. At least that's what I've seen. So they get like a team of writers. They write it. Then you got to cast it. And these, there's a bunch of people involved in each of these processes. Once you have the cast, then you get, I believe the cast is first, I think. Because then you have to have a bunch of crew. And the amount of, watch the credits. Just watch the credits. The jobs that there are for each set is insane. Like, it's, it's no wonder. The, the credits are long, okay? Just watch them. Give these people credit, okay? That's what they're there for. Just saying. The credits. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so then you get that. But then there's also pre-production with some of these crew members, and they have to design everything, and they have to plan it, and the scheduling and then they make it they actually and it takes at least two weeks for something unless it's a multi-cam comedy then it could be like a week and a half i think for the actual production of it and then you go to post-production where <laughs> this is this is a random thing but like if the if an editor hears in like the dailies which is like the footage they shot that day oh they'll fix it in post they will kill you <laughs> Also, because post-production is more expensive than the actual production. Yeah. And that's also because there are less people 
skilled to do the post-production stuff, like audio engineering, visual effects. Because like, if you look at one shot of visual effects, like not even a full minute, there could be like 22 passes on something where they have to do little particles here, little particles there, fix this, put this, put multiple different shots on top of each other to composite an image. There's so much that happens. And then you also have coloring and Foley, which is creating like the steps that you hear, the like the punches, that's not captured on set. Some of it could be. It would be a lot cheaper if they did it. But people are in a studio using all these weird different instruments, which I would really want to talk to somebody one day because it's really cool and people should really like understand how it's done because it's just amazing. So much that goes into these shows. Okay, so then post-production's done. Well, hopefully if if you did get picked up by a network and this isn't just like an independent project, you have to go into distribution. But then you have to do all the marketing and advertising. And then it goes out and to make sure that you can sell all the ads to actually make back the money. And then we just talked about how it used to have a bunch of different revenue streams. Now it just goes from airing to streaming. And then sometimes it doesn't even get that. So if it's a Netflix show, it goes straight to streaming. There's no way for it to make money in between. Does this make sense so far? Mm -hmm. Yes. Cool. All right. So, with all those steps said, reality shows, you see a bunch of networks are fully dedicated to reality shows because they can cost a hundred to five hundred thousand dollars an episode. They don't their post-production's barely anything. Their pre-production is just making sure they have the I mean, again, I don't I've never worked directly in reality TV. I don't know if I really care to. There's enough drama going on in the real world. And I don't mean the show. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that made you laugh, Bray. I don't know who's going to remember that show, but yeah. I've never seen existed. it, but I remember hearing it. I, I watched it, so anyway. Anything goes to you for that show. But anyway, I... Uh, with a show reality show costing one to five hundred thousand an episode, scripted series can cost multi million to like rivaling blockbuster film. Like their whole budget for a film that could be for one episode. I believe that's like what Stranger Things is. I'm not surprised by that. Like it's insane, and I we will share that we have been told that. Motherland cost around five to seven million an episode, but obviously we can't like a hundred percent say that for certain because we weren't there. We haven't seen a budget. We are going by word of mouth. We need tangible proof to fully say that this is definitely what it was. Reality shows are also able to make more money back because. You could throw bags of Doritos at people, give them away as prizes and stuff like that in reality shows and not have it be weird. 
Whereas if you see, <laughs> I used to see this all the time, like, especially when it first like, like really became like popular and a thing. You see Walmart bags just sitting there and you're like, really? I mean, like, come on. It's just like fully in a third of the screen. It's just this Walmart bag. I wonder who sponsored this show. So it's it's a lot easier to sell more things for reality shows. I believe one source that I saw, they have a 40% profit on their shows. That's crazy. Yeah, because it's so cheap to make. Because reality stars, unless like they become huge, like there are, I think the Jersey Shore people, like they ended up getting like a million or something an episode. But most reality stars, they're not getting paid that each episode. So the costs are minimized extremely in those. I think this is where I go on break a little bit. Okay. So then the other thing that plays into why the cost of a scripted television show is so astronomical has to do with the visual effects in television. And so that is also a new thing, like having quality visual effects in television. Quality. Because it used to be, yeah, quality. Visual effects can be a loose term. I'm talking about like cinema level. Like cinema Mm -hmm. used to be the standard of of visual effects like decades ago. Like that was the standard. Like if you want to see cool visual effects, you go watch a movie that has visual effects, like an action movie or like whatever. That was a draw, right? That was it, right? Now it is expected to have quality visual effect, like cinema level, is what the the article I read like they they term it that, like cinema level. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's blurring the distinction between television and movies again because the quality of what you're seeing is similar, and this is what plays into like sci-fi shows and being canceled at a higher rate perhaps is because they have the visual effects budgets and in the article i was reading shows like that the total budget of the production it can be up to 25 percent. so like a quarter of the budget is just for visual effects that doesn't take into account literally everything else caitlin listed and all those people you have to pay and like everything else a quarter of it's just visual effects that's a lot Um, And the other piece about this, too, and why it's complicated is that in a movie where you have visual effects, the timeline for post-production visual effects, all that stuff, is a lot longer for those people to do the visual effects than it is for a television show. It's stunted. Like, the time they have to actually get it done is a lot shorter. So that puts more strain on the resources available for a television show that's using visual effects. Not just money, but like the people that then have to like turn around and do this super quickly. And so sometimes they can't do it in a quality manner because they don't have time to like do this for the show. So people who complain about visual effects discrepancies, like sometimes it's like they don't have time to make it look like Stranger Things. They have like, I think I saw one in the article, the example was like, normally what you'd get in like cinema is like six months to do it. You get like a couple of weeks, like like 10 weeks or something. Like they're like, it's substantially less. So like, yeah, we could make it look like this, but we don't have the time to do Or the budget. Or the budget. So like, yeah, like, so you can't be mad at visual effects in TV because it's like, there 
already working, like they're already at a disadvantage money-wise and then time-wise. Like even if you're the most skilled person in the world, like if your time is limited, you have to decide where you're going to put your energy. Like you can't make it look like a movie where you have months to just do it. So can I go on a small little rant real quick? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. You can continue. The last I just, point, I have one yeah, last point real quick about this too. And so uh, one of the ways that studios cope with this and like offset the budget, so to speak, is they've started putting their production, like just straight up spending time, not even filming, just spending time in countries that offer them tax incentives. So they just move their production to areas where it's less money to operate just to save money so they can put funnel money into the visual effects. So like, that's one way they try to offset this. So like Netflix trying to do stuff in Spain, like they get tax incentives and money incentives to be there. So it's like, they're offsetting their costs by like doing things like that because it makes up a, it makes up a larger proportion of budgets now. And that didn't used to be a thing 10 years ago. Rant for Caitlin. My rant is that it doesn't just apply to visual effects either. Like people oh. are so quick to complain about different aspects of a show, but you don't understand like what the quality, like the work conditions or anything that they're going through making this show. People are working 16 hours a day, minimum sometimes. There are people who <laughs> probably die from exhaustion working on these things to give you something that's good. But it takes so much time and effort, but you only see the finished product. It looks so easy. You're like, oh, anybody could do it. You can't, you can't. Try filming something, get good audio, get good lighting. I mean, it took us this long to figure out how to get my camera not to turn off. All right, so it's difficult. We so just I figured just figured out use lighting. <laughs> kind it's of. Been two years. Of. <laughs> Work in progress. Oh my I gosh! Wish. If we had a bigger budget, <laughs> I would be. Oh, we'd have studios in every single place. But anyway, it's just respect. Respect the entertainment industry because who did you turn to during the pandemic? All the artists. So. <clears throat> Uh, that's a whole another rant. All right, let's get off of that one. Back to Netflix. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> they're just, they're in the hot seat. Back to Netflix being our example. As we have stated before, I believe we stated before, Netflix is losing money. And something that people don't really know, at least I didn't before this, is Netflix pays all the production costs for their originals, plus 30% on top of that. So they are paying more for the content that they are creating. 2022 was the first time they lost subscribers. And this was a wake-up call to like the entire industry because for so long, they wanted to reach Netflix level. But now that Netflix didn't grow, like they lost people for the first time, they're like, oh shit, we're all mortal basically like we're not untouchable if we don't do this right we are going to crash so netflix right now is trying to figure out 
how to like stop going down. They, as we all know, they're giving an ad supported tier now because they keep raising their prices, but obviously people aren't going to be happy with that. So giving them an ad supported allows them to have a lower tier, but people have to do with ads. That's another rant that I also have for people, but I won't get into that now. Also, I mean, I know this is annoying for everyone, but password sharing really is affecting these people because, like, think about it. Everyone does it. It sucks that they're cracking down on it, but at the same time, it does make sense. There's so much money that is being lost by password sharing. And then, like everyone, because the economic... Our... Economically, we are not doing well. Like the economy is not doing well. Thank you. Global economy. The economy is sucking, and the non. Oh my god! Just keep going. (laughs) I'm sorry. I can't think. So what's happening because of the economy? There's layoffs. There's layoffs. All right. Alright, let's go with other Netflix stuff now. There's just so much happening. There's so much that goes into it. And that's basically the gist of this episode. But don't worry, we're not done yet. Um. <laughs> but wait, there's more. No, wait, there's more, yeah. <laughs> Netflix has a lot of shows. Like, a lot. Like, you'll never see all of them. No. One report stated that they have 700 original shows. And 80 original movies, which is, like, I'm like, they have to have more than 80 original movies. So I wasn't able to look more into that. So take that as you will. And the average Netflix show gets canceled after season two. This is not, it's not really a surprise. I mean, I'm surprised it's not season one. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Maybe that's a historic trend because, like, Orange (laughs) is the New Black got, like, five seasons. And so in the beginning, they got more seasons. Mm -hmm. Now we're going down. Because there's also, like, less competition in the streaming world and binging as well. Uh And demand has gone up. Correct. As well. Um, Basically, they want shows that will bring in a big audience and be viewed by a majority of subscribers. Majority being the key word. (laughs) So, I feel like this is out of order, but... One of the big things that you see when a show comes out is keep streaming it. Put it on in the background. Just keep watching it, no matter what. Just eat, sleep, and breathe the show. But it's not going to help. Because you need more people to watch it. It's not the numbers that of streaming that they're looking at. They want to make sure that a lot of people, it's the people, the quantity of the people, the percentage of their subscribers watching a show. How many people do they bring in that watch that show? So you can stream it all you want, but if other people are not watching it as well, it's not going to matter. Netflix apparently looks at three metrics, two metrics in the first seven and 28 days, which is households that start a series and households that complete a series. Now everyone, especially, okay, I'm using Warrior Nun. That's the biggest one that happened recently. Everyone was like, you have to finish it in 28 days. You have to finish it. Watch it. But yeah, they were also like, watch it as much as possible in 28 days. No, it's the households that complete it. If you complete it more than once, you've already completed it. You're only one. 
So if you complete it three times, you're still one. Just saying. And then they also look at the number of subscribers that watch a show. And uh, that was referenced a lot for cancellations to this one article that I got this info from. Another aspect of the cancellations is that Netflix has to pay the production costs. So they're not licensing this content. Like we said, they pay the production costs plus 30%, but they promise increases to the people each year. So these series are more expensive after the second season and gets uh, exponentially expensive each season that they go on. So for Netflix, it is cheaper for them to cancel a show and completely just make a new one than it is to keep a show going that's not like huge success like Stranger Things, Squid Games. Wednesday. Yeah, and all that stuff. Because like everybody watches it. It is... There's no comparison to a lot of the shows. And unfortunately, it's not fair. It's not fair to other shows. But money is just a biggest part because it is a business. I already did my need more people to watch and complete rant. But again, get more people to watch it. And also, because people were so obsessed with the top 10... When you keep rewatching it, it's the number of hours streamed. So, of course, it's going to inflate the numbers in the top 10. So it's going to look like more people are watching it, but it's the same people streaming it again and again and again. So you don't know exactly how many. It's not really a good indication of how many people are watching it if you're just rewatching it over and over. Okay. And then we get the churn rate. And now I didn't know what this was before this either. I think I've I should have. I've never heard of this. <laughs> yes. So the churn rate is basically how many people these networks are, well, streaming platforms are losing subscribers. So Netflix is one of the lowest to lose subscribers. They only lost 3.3% in 2022. But the importance of this is that the number of subscribers they lost went up 66% from the year before. Whereas other platforms may have a higher churn rate where more people are unsubscribing, but they're getting less people unsubscribing each year. So Netflix is the biggest one to lose subscribers, and they are consistently losing subscribers. So that is... And they use this as an outlook for the overall business itself. So basically, they're not heading in a great direction, which is why Netflix is really scrambling right now to figure out their next move, which is why we're getting all of their crackdowns and to try and salvage money, basically. And also probably why they're canceling a lot more. Because... Mm, We'll get there later, I think. Why do some shows get renewed over others? This is this is the big one we've seen on social media as well. I saw Wednesday be compared to Warrior Nun in the beginning, and I really don't understand that one either. 
Do you I think, I think it was talk- sparked from an advertising point of view. Okay. Because again, the perception is that some shows are getting actual advertising by the streamer, whereas others aren't. So part of the assumption or what people have noticed association, I guess is the right word. The association is that the shows that are getting canceled are the ones that aren't really being invested in by the network. So they're like setting them up to fail. Like warrior none was off the air for like, or off the air. Didn't like, we basically had to wait two years for the season two because of the pandemic, right? It got greenlit for a season two pandemic happened production got delayed that's how it got tossed in the 2022 bin whereas this should have been a 2021 show and so what people notice is that like there was no promotion at all for this show it just dropped and that was it whereas wednesday had a bunch of promotion from the network leading up to it so people are saying like basically like they're setting these shows up to fail they're not investing in them hence why once some succeed and some don't in a model where you're trying to get more individuals to watch it, if you're not promoting it, how are we going to reach other people? That's the perception. And that's where that comparison comes into play. That's definitely fair. And obviously we're never going to know why. Right. We tried looking, me and Bree tried to look into this and could not find a damn thing. So we tried. I don't know what is this, those is this what happened last night. Yeah. When you were like, yeah. bye, you just literally said <laughs> bye in the middle of us researching this. So, um, which is valid, but I couldn't find, I, I mean, I don't work in the industry, obviously. I just told you I'm a pharmacist. I tried to research this. I couldn't figure out how these decisions are made, honestly. Um, I will say I'm trying to get us to talk to somebody in programming. So hopefully uh, they will be able to explain a little bit more. Hopefully they'll agree to an actual interview with us. So everyone else can hear as well. If not, we can do like a follow-up episode and just like summarize what we've learned. <sighs> it's it's just a lot. We're still not done. It's just it's, it's a just lot. a lot. You can But like we touched on the Wednesday Warrior Nun thing a little bit. Again, it was a content that already had a fan base. It already mm-hmm. it's just it's a reboot. Or, like, not even a reboot, a spinoff, whatever, off of something that was already established, like, on the visual media platform. Yes, Warrior Nun is based off a comic book from the 90s. So, technically, it's a visualization of something that already existed. But the Addams Family has multiple movies that were blockbuster successes. It was a TV show. Again, it has gener- like generations know that show. So, like, it was already going to be successful because people are like, oh, I remember this. Let me watch it. Like, if anything, people were just going to tune in because they knew what the Adams Family already was. So, like, it's really not a fair comparison. It's like a Marvel movie versus, like, an independent movie. Like, people already know what these this content is. It's nostalgia. People are already going to tune in. Like, it's really not a fair comparison. And so in a company that's hemorrhaging money, it would make sense to be like, let's promote the hell out of this because more people are going to watch it because they know what it is. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure it cost a ton of money to get the rights to an Adams Family thing also. So they're probably trying to recuperate whatever went into like getting this content too. So. Basically, there's a lot that goes into it. 
And there's going to be a lot of decisions that we don't understand because there's a bunch of things that happen behind closed doors, even like politically in these productions as well. Like, because you never know. Like, there's so much that happens. Totally. Yeah. Unfortunately, people who aren't the creators who hold the purse strings get the final say. Like, and it isn't fair. That's just, that is the way our capitalist world works. Um, Also, because Netflix uh, pays all these production costs, plus like the 30%, it doesn't make sense for them to allow it to go to another network because they put so much money out for it. Yeah. So that's why there's a huge fight to get the rights back because the other people have never owned the rights. It's always been Netflix's and it's not in their best interest to let it go to another network. And now we're going to go to another thing that was talked about a lot on social media. The queer on queer fight. Yes. And brings us to our next assumption that we have heard a lot. Women love women. Is that how you say it? WLW shows are being canceled. Women love it. Lesbian shows are being canceled, but gays are getting renewed. Right. Uh, Sappho is under attack, was the assumption. Nope. Mike went out. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Brie. Brie, we can't hear you. Oh, there we go. There we go. I was just trying to make a. We're talking about, like, like you said, sapphic, but I want to make sure the bisexuals are seen. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, I just mean yeah, that no. as an umbrella term of non men, basically loving women. Non men. There you go. All right. That's we can put doing. this in a different way. Shows like First Kill are being canceled, but shows like Heartstopper are getting renewed. There we go. Right. All right. <laughs> this one's, it's just all complicated, guys. It's just complicated. But one Forbes article has tried to give reasons. Again, we're all trying to explain this. Yes. We'll never know why. But here's some reasons why it could possibly be in the realm of possibilities. They have stated four different reasons, and they have said they're flimsy, but, like, this is what you got. (laughs) We're all in the same boat here. Ratings. We are all used to hearing about ratings. I'm so sick of ratings at this point. The critics gave Heartstopper 100%. That's actually pretty damn good. Um, The fans gave it 97%. Well, first kill, critics gave it a 58%, and fans gave it a 90 which is not a big thing because Netflix has renewed stuff that the critics didn't like before. Again, supernatural elements are more expensive than a high school. Heartstopper could have more viewers out of the top 10. Also, it could have been that because we were doing the let's rewatch the show on repeat, it was inflating numbers. That's my own take, though. And then source material. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, go ahead. They Netflix did say in some article or whatever about Heartstopper, because Heartstopper 
the reason why this one hurt is it's not that it got renewed. It said it got renewed for two additional seasons, like immediately. I have a theory for that. It wasn't even done being streamed. And I saw one of the, one of it wasn't done. And I saw one of the reasons, which wasn't because Oscar winner Olivia Coleman is in it, which, okay. How much of the budget was just getting her on the show? I just want to know. What? I'm sorry. I don't know who that is. Oh my God. Let's move past that. It's fine. Let's move past that. The reason I saw that's not that was that it was the subscriber growth, like individuals watching it was going up consistently from week to week. Mm -hmm. And that is their metric. But like to get two seasons is pretty crazy at once from Netflix. My assumption is that they didn't have to do the pay bump as much. Because you know how they, it costs each more each season. Mm. So they're like, okay, this is doing really well. Let's just give them two seasons so we don't have to like increase costs as much from year to year. Oh, I see. And then I heard the other reason, or I read somewhere, another reason something like this happens is because... For, so both of these stories or productions are based off of written material. First Kill is based off of a short story. So like one and done. And the short story is basically already done in the first season versus Heartstopper, which is based off of a book series. And I've heard partially why book series get renewed more easily is because the executives who aren't the creators understand where this story is already going because it's already written down. So it's like, Oh, sorry, Caitlin. I didn't know that was <laughs> the next thing I'm talking oh, about. I didn't read it. <laughs> it's all sorry. Right. Yeah. My bad. But yes. What Theora said. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. <laughs> Other people talk, please. I have so, a tendency yeah. to take over. But again, that one just hurt. Because again, it like the perception is that, okay, we had a sapphic ship. So two non-men, two women. One of them's a lead person of color. That's the show that gets axed versus the all like w- the white leads that are both men. Like that's the perception, like just looking at the two things. So, and then one gets axed, one gets two seasons renewed. This isn't relevant, but I looked up Olivia Coleman and I'm assuming that you know her from Fleabag. Oh my gosh, she's in I know so her from everything. It's Roger. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know her, but she's been in a lot of Thomas stuff, so I'm sure oh I'll know her. Queen on the Crown, like it's Olivia Coleman. <laughs> I've never seen the Crown. Oh my god, Olivia Coleman's a gem, and every time she wins awards, she never preps her her speech. That's like a thing now. So she just fumbles her speeches when she wins. She is the actual best. So I don't understand how they got her on the show. Like, what were they paying Olivia Coleman? <laughs> so anyway, I was just budget cost to get her. That must have cost a pretty penny. But she's amazing. The coming out scene to Olivia Coleman in Heartstopper is one of the best. I've seen nothing that she's been in. She's Sorry. The best. Oh my god. All right, we've already covered source material. Um, we're, which brings us to our next assumption about Netflix. Or actually, it's all of them, really. <laughs> no, yeah, this is actually I forgot. This is all of them, but we're using Netflix as the example. The assumption is that they cancel anything that is controversial. And I found some things while looking at Netflix that, like, I was surprised to read. So Netflix has tried to make a few shows with LGBTQ plus representation in Turkey. 
Turkey is not happy. Um, they had to pull one because it was denied a license due to the content. Um, and they had to pull another show with an openly gay character when there's a bunch of social media campaigns to boycott Netflix. And it's basically just the Turkish government like censoring. But because they are a streaming platform, they don't have to go through censorship as much. Like, hmm. So I think that's how they got around things. And another instance of them actually advocating for representation is in is with this Arabic film Perfect Strangers. It sparked a controversy in Egypt and West Asia due to a gay character and taboo breaking storylines. And Everyone was, like, so against it. Not everyone. Like, the entertainment industry in those countries were actually, like, rallying behind it, the actors. And Netflix's statement to this outrage against this film was, Perfect Strangers is a fictional story that explores universal themes without taking a moral stand. Instead, inviting the audience to have an open dialogue and debate. The film tackles tough subjects through humanity and humor, led by a talented Arab cast focused on creative excellence they're like we're just opening a conversation and letting people decide for themselves which with countries like this censoring things they don't want that conversation to even be a thing they're like this is bad this is immoral we don't do this stuff yep you're gonna have gay people anywhere queer people lgbtq plus people anybody in that community anywhere you go um, oh, okay. My next point is that shows are constantly getting canceled. It looks like they're homophobic because our shows keep getting canceled. And representation for our community has gotten better, but the leads are still not prevalent like there's less queer lead, queer characters as leads so it makes it seem like it's only our shows getting canceled <laughs> I, I love how i wanted to put this point in here my next note was not really relevant here but country comfort got canceled before i even knew about it and it was such a cute show it's not queer in the slightest but it got canceled after one season and i didn't know about it until after it was canceled and i was so sad and it was just adorable it's a cute little comedy show and i suggest it if you don't mind watching kids in a show <laughs> another point to this is that netflix doesn't have pilots which i keep wanted to keep talking about this before now but here we are Instead of ordering pilots where the network will be able to see a cast chemistry, if they think it'll work, if they want to like recast anybody. And sometimes like, I think almost half the time those pilots don't even go to series. So you'll never see them. Netflix just orders every show that they have straight to one, like a series. So six, eight episodes, you will get it. So, the good thing is that you get to see shows that you might not have seen before, especially if they have this representation. Like, 
you don't know if it would have like tested well. But the bad thing is that it looks like more of our shows are getting canceled as well by Netflix because they're just they're making everything basically. So it's again pros and cons to it, but there I also read that a lot more platforms are doing it this way. So it's going to inflate the amount of cancellations we have each year. Because obviously you can't afford to keep making it to, and also make new shows. So basically they're just trying to like throw it out there and be like, what's going to stick? With But they also look at their analytics they have. Also, people like to... Um, Again, I'm not commenting on, like, specific things. Don't come at me for be like, you're targeting our fandom and all that stuff. No, because every fandom does this. Um, everybody's, like, so excited when things trend on Twitter. And this used to be, like, a huge thing before the For You trending happened. But now there's, like, Twitter collates trends for you specifically. So if you're talking about something and the people that are interacting with that subject are also talking about that one thing, it's going to show up as trending for you. But this doesn't mean that people who don't even know about the show are going to see it. So it may be like, oh, look, we're going to more people are going to see it because we're trending. No, more people are seeing it that are talking about it. So that's why it looks like these shows are always trending. Because if you notice... Like, Motherland, Erp, Warrior Nun. Those stuff are always trending. They're only trending for us. You know, maybe they are being enough to trend sometimes. Countrywide, worldwide, we don't know because we're looking at our For You trends. So just, just that's just something to keep in mind because you can go to different categories of trending. You can go to what's trending in your country and what's trending globally. But you actually have to navigate towards that. So I just want to make people aware of that. But I know that this was a lot of this. <laughs> I feel like the bad person right now. <laughs> like giving the all like the, the doom and gloom. No, I feel like I'm wrecking people's like perspective of things. But like, I don't want people to waste time and energy on things that don't actually matter. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We've been, we're, we've created trauma responses where we're adopting behaviors that are very time consuming and seem defeatist because they never get us anywhere. And the truth of it is, is that we're operating at a disadvantage because we are less percentage of the overall population. And it sucks and it's not fair and we're constantly reminded of that in this scenario, which is why it hurts. And it really like, that's why we latch onto these things to begin with. And then now we're just losing all of these things that we resonate with that mean something to us. And it's very hard for us to like, it's important for us to mobilize as a group, but we are a smaller portion of people. So it's harder for us to make an impact and a lot of things, like you mentioned, are algorithm-based that are showing us what we want to see, and it's giving us false hope. Um, 
or skewing our perceptive perspective words of what's happening. So it's not your fault, Caitlin. And this is like, thank you for pointing these things out. Like, I didn't know that. And I'm not a huge Twitter person, obviously. Have you met me? And so, I, <laughs> so like, I didn't know that, that it's curating trending. I thought that was just what's trending on this okay. platform. So to illustrate that example, I'm on our Twitter account trending for you Beatrice Warrior Nun Billboard Gap the Series. Need to watch Gap the Series. You go to trending in the United States. Chiefs, Ed Red, Eagles, Beyonce, Optic Watch, Catterday, UCLA. Beyonce if I go to entertainment, The Proposal, 10 Things I Hate About You, Blue Ivy, Todrick, Neil Long, Percy. What? Why are those things? <laughs> and then like 20 year old movies. The, Why are they trying? And then <laughs> towards the bottom, Holy War Movement, which is. Warrior one nun. of the warrior trends. So yeah, oh, make sure you're also looking people, at the right trending. People are taking other things that people say to heart, like about like ratings and stuff, and like mm -hmm. things Netflix looks for. Look into it yourself. You can even fact check what we say, but as long as you're looking into it yourself and not just taking somebody else's word, because that's when misinformation does get spread. And people freak out more. Yeah. Because they're just listening to others. Yeah. So we hope it's always better to do your own research. We hope, if anything, this gave you a breath of all the things that kind of go, not all, but some things that go on in this very complicated situation that we are receiving the shitty end of, basically. And like Caitlin said, like, Look into it. Sometimes you can't. Like we're not we're not executives at Netflix. We will never fully know what goes on in the boardroom. We will never know what the numbers really look like. Even if we worked there, we'd be under an NDA. Right. So like we will <laughs> the sad part and the shitty part is we never will actually know. So unfortunately, all we see are these what's happening and we make trends because or we try to put it together because that's what human brains are designed to do. And so yeah, it's really sad, but you know, based on what we have found, we think that there's a lot of thing factors that go into this. What kind of show was this? Who was producing it? Unfortunately, we don't get the syndicated stuff anymore. So, like, unfortunately, TV has been changed forever. And this is what the model is now. So, maybe sometimes we only get one season. Or maybe things will move into miniseries versus shows where it's like, it is one season, basically, and it's done. And we tie up loose ends. We don't leave devastating endings or we never get a resolution. Teenage so, bounty hunters. Yeah, I mean, Netflix is one of the things I am looking forward to is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo that's going to be on Netflix. It is a mini series of a book, so it will end. There is no cliffhanger. Like, that's it. It will be produced. Netflix is actually great at that. The Queen's Gambit was incredible it was a mini series one and done so like maybe that's where they go we don't know but i do want to caution people a little bit too not to add more gloom to this but 
we have all these shows on streaming platforms. And another thing we didn't really talk about that's going to change is that keeping these things available on streaming platforms does cost them money. So the next thing they're going to look at really in terms of money saving is like, what do we keep on our library? And if Netflix, for example, owns exclusive rights to something like First Kill, and they're like, having this isn't profitable on our library, they will retire it from the library. Yes. Uh, we need to talk about why it's not pro- like why it's costing them money. Yeah, yeah. Oh, please do. But I just want to finish the thought. Is that like so uh, some sh- so some shows over time, like we've seen like Discovery do this, and, uh, and some of these streaming platforms already, where they're just taking their original content off of there, and now the downside of that is that nobody has access to it because there aren't DVDs, there aren't hard copies of these things. So like, I want to caution you if you can, not that I'm advocating for piracy, I'm definitely not advocating for piracy. I'm definitely not advocating for you to look down below on how to get stuff to download. Yeah, I'm absolutely not going to talk about play on home slash cloud. We're not talking about that. But I will say if you can find a way to get a copy of that show and keep it for yourself, I highly encourage you to figure out how to do that by legal means because your favorite show might come off that platform and then it is available nowhere else because they they now own everything. And that's another sad consequence basically of this, the streamer owns the rights to everything and there is no hard copy anywhere anymore. Again, don't look at the description to get our affiliate link to play on home. Absolutely do not Definitely do not. not do that. No. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about, Caitlin. Maybe just um explain why they're doing this. Like yes. why is it not okay. profitable? So the reason why these shows are continuously costing money for them, like I mean, the shows that they license, that's pretty self explanatory. Like they need to pay for it to be on their platform. But their original shows, every time that people stream it, they have to pay royalties to the actors if they're like if that's in their contract and to the creators. So the Friends cast are probably still making bank from Friends. They definitely do because of Seinfeld. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I also there's people like getting like a check for like a penny for from royalties for things. They're like just just don't send it to me. But yeah, so people are still getting paid for these shows when people are watch them. So that's why it still costs them money to have it on their platform. Yeah. yeah. And in on a cable network thing, that makes sense because that's what the old school contracts, right? Like Friends and like Seinfeld, those actors and creators and the writers in particular, they're the ones. So writer contracts are going to start changing soon, too. And there's going to be a writer strike because they're trying mm-hmm. they're not getting the royalties they used to get. And like because of that, it's harder to like be a writer professionally because like you just have to jump from project to project to keep getting money because they used to get residuals. But anyway, so that's a whole nother clusterfuck that's going to start happening. And they they sometimes will take lower pay in the beginning because they would get residuals exactly. and that would be up for it. Right. And so that's a whole another thing that's compounding into like cost and scripted TV and that's going to start impacting stuff. But like the thing that used to make up for a lot of that is ads. Like mm-hmm. that's why we have reruns. That's why like Friends shows up randomly on like, I don't even know. I don't watch cable anymore, but like it will show up on a cable network that isn't NBC, like randomly on TV a Thursday. Yes. 
There you go. I thought it was TBS. So TBS every Thursday or whatever, like Friends reruns. And it's because mm-hmm. they they keep it going because they sell ads to it. And that's the ad money is how they pay all the people in the contracts who get residuals every time it pays or every time it plays. But on a streaming service that has no ads, how are they making money? They're not making money. They're, they're not bringing in ad money to like- Which is also people. why they have ad- Exactly. So I'm wondering if, like, by pulling it off, they're going to put it in the ad sections where they can make mm-hmm. money off of ads. So, like, maybe it won't be gone forever. Maybe it'll be in the ad realm. But, like, platforms that don't adopt the ads have just removed stuff. And it's not accessible anywhere else. So I just caution people, like, prepare yourselves. That's what I'm saying. But the positive in all of this, like... We don't want to end this on a bad note. I know this is a lot. It's a very sad time. This was therapy. Therapy's hard. It's a process. But the bottom line too to remember is that like these shows all exist. Like they exist. For me and Brie, who grew up in the dark ages of like queer representation in media, we had to like make shit up and be like, hey, they stared at each other. And there's like 500 fan fictions about it. And there wasn't even an AO3. So, like, she touched her knee. Right. That was what we had growing. Like, literally, not like we had Xena. Do you guys remember Xena? No. We had Xena. Where the Xena Warrior Queen of Context. Wait, like, exactly. It's all subtext. Like, all of it. Everywhere. Subtext. Spoiler if you haven't finished watching Xena and you plan to, skip ahead. I've never seen it. Zena's classic, but like the queer kiss happens when in a dream sequence, when one of them is like inhabiting a man's body and the other one's still themselves. And so it's like, yep. You watch, I remember watching that as a kid being like, what am I watching? Yeah. Like, what? That was our queer content, you have to understand. Or we were always cast as villains because of laws and tv censorship that we will have a whole other episode Mm -hmm. about but like we had absolutely nothing and so the fact that we're getting these shows at all is a very good thing like yeah warrior nun got canceled it really sucks it shouldn't have it was quality it was quality television first of all which like in the era of reality tv Mm -hmm. is hard but it exists the beatrice and ava story it exists it is beautiful it is perfection it exists so like Revisit the things that you love because they exist and they matter. We're not settling for subtext and weird inhabiting men's bodies. So it's not actually a queer kiss, but it is a queer kiss as your representation. It's really weird. It, it is was, really it weird. Was. Imagining being a child trying to watch this and you're like, I don't know what the fuck is Or the right other, the other time anything this? happened on that show is when they were being crucified or had just what? been crucified. Because you're allowed to have queer, you're allowed to have queer content as long as you're being dipl- displayed as a villain or exactly. as a moral. That was the mm. time we grew up in, right? The morality police. That's yeah. a terrible time, guys. Yes. <laughs> so the fact that this stuff exists is huge. The fact Glad I that, wasn't there. The fact that First Kill exists with a black woman lead with a black family that's like healthy family and like role models and stuff that matters. The fact that the creators consciously made this understanding all of that that matters because we did not have that decades ago so things are getting better 
we're still getting persecuted and shot on with our stuff, but like it's getting better. At least we have stuff where there's leads. And I know that like it's not much, but it really is. Um and there are still shows coming out with queer leads. There are some that got renewed. Like it's not over. Things are still being produced. Like I haven't seen it yet, but the Sex Lives of College Girls got a season three. Like Yellow Jackets. The the L word just canceled. Oh, did Caitlin, it? Caitlin, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's probably a reason for that. There sure is. It's a hot mess. But like Yellow Jackets, that was something that got like slated for like the whole thing. And there's queer representation in that. Like, I know we're mad at the gay boys, but like celebrate the gay boys. Like Heartstopper and Young Royals are getting new seasons. So like us being leads isn't necessarily the deal breaker. It's it's much more complicated than that. Also, their representation has been problematic for so long. Like they're let them have that they're finally not the like the I don't want to be like disrespectful at all. But like the flaming gay best friend. Yeah. Exactly. Like overall it's getting better. And like we're getting queer actors playing queer characters or like actors coming out just period. And like so it's like it's changing. It's just like it's always one step forward, two steps back, and you just keep going. And uh, are there any things coming out that you guys are looking forward to? That's the only here. thing that I'm in any way, shape, or form was looking. I won't say looking forward to. I'm curious about. <laughs> this is the positive section. You're like, I don't know if I love this. But I'm just gonna throw it out there. Uh, there's a reason I'm saying that, and it's because it may not be queer, super queer in the first season. You may have to wait for the second season. If there is. If it gets a second season, The Last of Us. Oh, yeah, The Last of Us. Yeah, that I heard is very good. Because she's 14 yeah, in, in the first season. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Vigil is getting a season two with Saran Jones. That's the thing. That I'm looking queer. forward to the one thing right now. There we go. There's that. I don't know anything that's out coming out. I just I hoping that a league of their own gets renewed and we get a lot of movies. We get a lot of movies. Doesn't. Okay, wait, another one for 2024 on HBO Max. Oh, I wonder what it is. Big Swiss with Jody Comer. <laughs> that's gonna. Yeah, I wonder why Theora wants to see that. I wonder why we've been hearing about that since before we were big gay energy. Yeah. Sandro is the co-star. I will talk about nothing else for the rest of my life. Oh, dear Lord. I, but <laughs> I can dream. Could you imagine if they did that, though? I would die. Their chemistry is beyond anything. It doesn't make any sense. It's so stupidly good. And they're both incredible actors. So let us know if you want Theora to rant about Killing Eve for a whole episode. I don't think that I can consciously do that in one episode. She shouldn't go back there. <laughs> right now <laughs> i have many things to say about that show. there is a podcast in existence that does killing eve justice it's called well well Philadelphia. go listen to it they do it justice um but yeah so basically 2022 sucked there's no denying that but hopefully i mean things are just changing that's just the way that it is the queer content is still being made but i mean I think it's time to kind of like set our expectations a little bit differently, maybe because like all the shows are getting axed. It's not just us. It just feels disproportionate because we have less to begin with, which is really unfair and unfortunate. 
But I mean, overall, the good the good thing I learned by doing this was that like the representation in general in projects is going way up. It's more than 50%. Like that's huge. Like we had to scramble for shows that even had a queer character in them. So the fact that they're just like in shows now is that is good. That is a good thing in and of itself. Like we need more time to get like the leads for something that retains multiple seasons while these fucking streaming services figure their shit out. Because I think the bottom line is they don't have their shit figured out. And like everybody's suffering until they kind of figure out how to adapt to like the cluster fucks and then a pandemic happened. So like everybody got fucked is my point. <laughs> Go listen to our interview with Steven Tyler O'Connor about casting diversity in series. And it's great. Yeah. There are advocates like Steven. There are advocates in casting. He won an Emmy for casting. Like, you know, a lot goes on behind the scenes that we just don't see. So hopefully this gave a, some kind of explanation, some kind of background about, you know, the war on the queers, the cancel your queers of 2022. And uh, I'm glad that 2022 is in the past. I don't know about you guys. Fuck that mm-hmm. year. I mean, I, mean I forgot half the things that happened. So exactly. There were some good things. There were some really messed up things. And it's over now. <gasps> and we're going. We got to meet. That was the that was the big positive for us personally. Yeah. So we got to hang out with our friends in Vancouver. I don't know why I said it like that. Anyway, because it's you. 2023 is going to be better, or I'll punch it in the face. (laughs) I have a question for audience. Okay. Would you be interested in hearing us talk more about topics like this, like research-based, anything more into this? Just let us know. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, let us know what you're looking forward to in t- coming coming down the pipeline. And uh, fuck 2022. That shit is... that. Leave it in the past. Leave that trauma in the past. Let's move forward into a bigger, gayer future. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod or email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus.